seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 201 of Color of Magic, your magic gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I'm your host, Daquan Watson, and moving into our next 200 episodes at 201, still got my main man, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? I'm here. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to play some Madden whenever EA fixes its servers. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Oh, their servers are down? Yeah, and that's frightening considering, like, this is early access. The game doesn't officially release until for like, another two or three days. Oh, so. that's tough for y'all as content creators and that stuff. The, the fact that the servers are already dead, and I'm going to guess maybe less than a third of the people that are going to buy the game have the game. So, yeah, I'm more than a little concerned. That's tough. That's tough. Man, there's gonna, there was a lot of news this week, and we're going to kind of be all over the place. There's a lot of different things to talk about. Some of it good, though. One or two, very bad. But before we get into all that, got to remind everybody, go pay some love to our sponsors over at CoolStuffInc.com, where they always have cool stuff in stock. And I also want to remind people, because I think, you know, we obviously have a lot of listeners that are Magic players, and that's probably how they know about it. But if you happen to be a D&D player, or maybe you play some Pokemon or some Yu-Gi-Oh! or want to pick up just some other nerd supplies or just board games, they have a lot of stuff over there. You should go check them out. You can use code DRAGON and you'll save 5% as well. And you'll be supporting the show while saving yourself some money. Also, if you want to go to patreon.com slash color magic, you can drop a few bucks in the pot and you can help us out. And you can get a shout out just like Jonathan D. Zabel. Thank you so much for being one of our peeps. And then you can go over to colormtg.com slash shop to get you some merchandise. So let's hop into the soapbox because we've got some things to talk about. And it's not going to be too pleasant. All right. So this one's one where... I feel like I have to tread this a little bit delicately so people just so you just don't come off sounding greedy because that's not really the point here. But you, I see a lot of discussions where people will talk with to content creators and they might say, hey, can you do this type of costume? Can you make a video about this or whatever? And sometimes the creator's response is, well, I would, but that just doesn't draw enough views or that doesn't get enough attention or whatever, you know, doesn't, doesn't hit whatever metric that I measure my content by. So I can't dedicate that amount of time or money or whatever it is to it. And inevitably there's always somebody says, well, not everything has to be about money. It kind of does though, right? This is literally these people's jobs. That would yeah. be like you going to work and your boss going, hey, could you knock this out for me when you're done with that? And you're like, yo, I, I clock out. Is there not overtime for that? And it's like, well, it doesn't always have to be about money. Which, by the way, some terrible bosses do crap like that. And they're terrible bosses, right? <laughs> like, that's the thing, right? Like, yes, it does it. Now, is it nice if they do a couple of things every once in a while just for community building or whatever? Yes, there are benefits to that. So I'm not saying literally every single thing needs to be about money like that that wouldn't even make sense as a statement but if and i'm, I'm going to equate this to to the game store thing right because this is a very relatable thing from that perspective but if you were to ask magic players ways for stores to make money they would never want their thing to be the thing that generates the money right they would want cheaper tournaments they would want bigger prizes they want whatever same thing for the Pokemon players. And, you know, then the Warhammer players wouldn't want a higher entry fee for their things. And the D&D players wouldn't want you charging seats for them to come play. And before you know it, every game group is telling you, well, no, I, I, you, you can make money off the other things. And then you're making money off nothing. You know, and kind of the same thing for the creators. If they were to try and appease everybody by doing all these things that aren't good for their metrics or for their business or for their sponsors or whoever, then when are they making their money? 
right? So don't take it as an affront. They're not saying they don't like you or they don't like your idea. Like, I again, again, I'm going to use myself as an example because I don't like throwing other people under the bus unless they've given us permission to use their their stuff. But for me, an example is I have people say, oh, hey, have you considered? Matter of fact, this happened today. Somebody said, hey, I have one of these beginner decks. Have you considered doing a video about upgrading this, whatever? I politely explained to them that I generally don't because those videos don't do very well for me because spending a lot of time to like go through all these comments on comments, figure out the best upgrades, whatever. I inevitably have some other group that eventually go, well, okay, well, what's a non-budget one look like? And I was okay. I mean, that's a whole different amount of research I got to include or whatever. And then you get that done and like, oh, well, do you, do you have any gameplay with it? So I can see it played. And it's like, okay, well then there goes another hour or two. And then I have to edit that. And it's just like, all of that for a video that I already know is going to be an underperformer. So like, it's not about just throwing that person's idea away, but it's like, you're asking me to put in a lot of work to make this a quality product that actually matters to enough people. So it gets some amount of views, but then I'm going to put even more work into it than I would one of my other videos. And it's just going to get less attention. Now, the other side of that is I still like coming up, next month when Eldrain releases, usually, and I don't know what we're going to do this year, because usually there's a rotation and they give you like the 10 beginner decks or whatever. If they do that again, I usually pick out four or five of them. I'll make a couple easy videos on those about upgrading and whatever to help people out. And those exist. I know they're going to underperform, but that's a thing I do. And it's like, I know that going in, but I do that because I know enough people will be using those and getting attention, and hopefully that just helps some people out, right? So not every single thing has to be about money, but enough of it is to where I have to turn those things down, and other creators do the same thing. But don't be mad because they're walking away from things trying to put food on their table. Like, just like you, they have limited time. Some of them are still doing another regular 40-hour job. Some of them have kids. Hell, some of them have hobbies. They just want to use their downtime to take a break. And if they're going to use their time for something that's not going to make money, they might as well do a thing that they're going to be directly happy doing other than putting money into a thing to try to make something to just be disappointed with it. So, yes, creators do need to make money, and it's not an offensive statement for them to say, hey, they're turning a thing down because it doesn't generate money for them. Like, this is somebody's full-time job. They need to get paid. And I had somebody ask me about a thing, and I it was something that I knew virtually nothing about. So I would have had to do a bunch of research to see if I even could turn the video around, and the answer could have been no. And now I've done all this research and gained nothing from it. That's also true, right? You you spend extra time to n- figure out if you even can make a quality video. Right? That's like, another issue. As a general assignment reporter, I've been trained to sound like I'm an expert on everything, but I promise you I'm not. There's stuff I got to go look up. And Yeah, and, there, for quality videos, there is a lot more work and a lot more time that goes in than I think people realize, which is both good and bad. Bad because you get those type of requests that they don't understand, right? But good because it means you're probably doing decent enough content that it doesn't look like it's an insane amount of work. So there's that. We make it look easy, but but I promise you it's not. <laughs> For sure. But let me pass this off to you because you've got some other stuff to talk about. Yeah, uh, Final Fantasy I think it was 16. I, I love that Final Fantasy as a, as a game series. But yeah, also, first of all, apparently it... Again, didn't hit whatever ridiculous sales target Square Enix has for its games. So I guess it's going to be considered, a, if not a failure, at least uh, an underperformer. And I think it may be connected to, to the topic that I'm soapboxing about today. It's, um, again, pretty much Lily White. Virtually no characters of color. And the excuse they gave was, well, you know, this is modeled after Game of Thrones. Even Game of Thrones in their prequel House of the Dragon realized we got to add some black people because, hey, yeah, people noticed that there were no black people. And that's affecting our numbers. Now they have the inevitable task of having to pretty much kill the entire black family off because I'll have to explain why none of them made it to (laughs) made it to get where Game of Thrones is which will, again, be virtually no people of color. 
but they even they realized, yeah, we gotta we gotta do better on diversity this go around, or again, it's going to hurt our numbers. It's gonna hurt just our reviews and everything because that's a painfully obvious thing to be able to fix. And the same thing has happened here at Final Fantasy 16. Everybody noticed this. Numerous people have complained, and you, know, you can through this. Well, yeah, but you know, it's based on a medieval European setting. There weren't any black people. There weren't any 30-minute go-make-a-sandwich magical summon spells either, but the game is full of them. There weren't any dragons in medieval Europe, <laughs> but we have them here and in Game of Thrones and so on. So it's, it's your it's your playground. You as the, the writer, producer, creator, what have you, can put anybody in there that you want to, but again, you do have to want to. This this is a tough deal for them too, because you know, like you mentioned, the sales numbers were also not what they expected on this, and I wonder if that's also partly because of the Final Fantasy VII remake setting such a high bar. Because I believe that one sold like three, three and a half or four million units, which is a ton. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. I mean, it, it's hard when you do a game that is so beloved that, you know, Final Fantasy VII will probably always be the pinnacle of the of the game for so many people. And yes, it's great that you could remaster it and release it 30 some odd years later, but also every other game will forever live in the shadow of Final Fantasy VII until perhaps one day you do something almost as good. Yeah, and they only sold, I believe, like 3 million units as of the end of July on Final Fantasy 16. So, Which is, it's Friday, we've gotten to where, oh, only 3 million units. It just, you know how many... Yeah, yeah. How many companies would love to be able to move 3 million units or something? But this is, it's also kind of curious because this has happened to them before. It's almost become a running joke that like, hey... This game is sold four or five million. Let's see how much it missed Square is target by. This is the same kind of that they have Final Fantasy. Uh, they, they had Tomb Raider. I believe they sold the Tomb Raider assets off. But yeah, it feels like if you have Final Fantasy and Tomb Raider and you can't hit your sales numbers, it's an internal problem. You you were messing up badly if you can't. Yeah. I'm with you. And, there, and there's a lot there, too. I, I think there's a lot of money being spent on the CGI trying to make animated things look real. And like, if you, and I'm with you, this isn't the first time we've heard this from them. Like if this is a thing, like just change the way you're producing the games, you know, there's something in the process needs to change, but yeah, I'm with you too. As far as at this point, you can have some amount of racial diversity. This one has lands where it's painfully obvious. Okay. This is a Middle Eastern coded area, yet everybody's still. Well, that, that's the part that makes it tough, right? Because you could almost, like you're saying, get by and go, well, it's based in this country or it's a Welsh, whatever. But all right, cool. But when you go and, like, mm, with the shape of the buildings and the clothing people are wearing, like, I get what you're trying to say here, but you didn't didn't really commit to it. <laughs> right, and, and now it does deal with, I guess you might as well say, slavery and oppression. But look, if you don't want to deal with slavery, then don't deal with slavery. But if you're going to deal with it, then yeah, racism is going to be part of talking about that. So you got to, if, if you're going to deal with it, you, you got to deal with it, Square. Yeah, if you're going to commit, you got to commit. Like you're in for a penny, in for a pound, as they say. When you're dealing with a topic as sensitive as slavery, there are no half measures. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I mean, I, I can't say much because I haven't played any of the last at least three Final Fantasies, and and I didn't play Final Fantasy Online either. So I'm I'm a bit removed from the property at this point. But I get, you know, if you are a fan, at least wanting to see your game evolve. And seeing it keep up with the times or whatever. Because and, and I also tell people that too. It's not it's not just change for the sake of change, right? It's this is the way the world's going. Right? This is the expectation now. 
Also, they're going backwards because you mentioned Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII has Barrett a black character. And while, yeah, he kind of was on the kind of the, the, the Mr. T scale over have you ever met a black person before the way he was, but still. You're actively moving backwards because that's it, been 30 years. That is true. I forgot about that guy. You know, they, back then, they were at least trying. Now it's almost as if they, well, not even almost, they're not trying anymore. And and here's an interesting thing, too. And and I'm not saying this is directly the reason for the sales numbers not, not hitting. But there's going to be a sector of the community that will just not connect with certain characters, not relate to certain characters, whatever. And if you at least include those, you increase your odds of more attachments to your product. But just leaving them out almost says like, okay, we're just assuming we're not going to get this, even if it's just a small number, right? We're just, all right, we're not going to get another 2 or 3% that we would get otherwise. But when you're talking about percentages of millions, that's that's a lot. That's a lot of units. That's a lot of money. And again, we, we've seen, you know, Shang-Chi, Black Panther. There, people are people want to support your content if you add if you add some kind of diversity to it. Well, something that's make, more relatable for those yeah. other communities, right? So you can make money if you do this well. It's like you, as you said, you're almost you're almost just saying, "Hey, you know, we almost we, we don't want your money. We're okay if you don't play. We we're, we're into you not being a part of this." It, it feels bad. It's True. as if I, as a person of color, being told we just don't really care what you think about this franchise. If you want to play it, play it. If you don't, we, we basically don't care. That being said, you know, as I do, it's Final Fantasy. They're going to make some amount of money always. Right. It just, they've just got not as much as Not as much as Square wants them to, apparently. Not exactly. They always have a super high floor that's going to be probably five levels higher than a lot of other games' ceiling. So, just kind of the way it is. But let's get into some other stuff here, because I think we both have some interesting things that we learned that are going to be fun to share this week. And at least one of them is kind of important. So, what do you got? Yeah, uh, as uh, you may well have heard by now, there was, for lack of a better term, a heist at Gen Con. Over $300,000 worth of Magic cards, apparently mostly Commander, Master, Booters, and Sets. We've been talking about on here how, you know, how um, how expensive those cards were running for a while. But yeah, $300,000 worth from uh, Past Times, which is obviously a really... Uh, Really well known, really important store in the Indiana area, and the guys just walked in there with a pallet jack, jacked the, the the boxes up, and walked out with them. Which just, I guess, kind of shows how if you look like you're supposed to be in there, because a pallet jack is the convention equivalent of you know carry a clipboard and look busy, and you can go anywhere. And that's basically now. Since then, there's obviously been camera footage. We have kind of we've got some pretty decent pictures now of two, I guess, persons of interest since they haven't officially been. Oh, they have been identified. Did you? Oh, I you must have missed my tweet last week. It gets good. So, I, I, remember, I, I remember seeing that they've been identified. Have they actually been apprehended yet? No, no, they know who they are though. Like they okay. they they will be able to because because what people don't know is the guys. Okay, first off, there was no reason to even have any identifying traits. Right. Because you could have looked like everybody else that's loading in that could just been black t-shirt, right? black jeans or whatever. Right. Could have looked like everybody else. Could have had a mask on. Nobody would even questioned you. And you're working in the back. It's sunny. You have the doors open. You could have even had sunglasses on. And a baseball cap. You know what I mean? Nobody would have questioned you, right? Not that so, we want to teach people how to commit no, no. crimes, but this is just... But I'm just saying, like, there were yeah. multiple ways that would have... You wouldn't even have needed a real disguise, right? Like, basic stuff would have been hard. These dudes covered nothing and wore company shirts for a really not great game that they made forever ago on Kickstarter, which I guess they were going to be there to, like, show off at Gen Con or something. So it wasn't I, hard to identify them because it ain't yeah, like people are out there wearing them shirts. No. <laughs> so literally in the picture, you can see it. And then if you go match it up to other pictures of them out there for like 
when they were trying to, I guess, promote their Kickstarter pictures I had on socials. Easy to go like, yeah, I'm pretty sure those are the guys. <laughs> and they were together even. So it was like even yeah, easier to go like multiple yeah. pictures of them hanging out together. Yeah. It's just it was like, one thing I, I learned during my career as a police reporter, the criminal mastermind generally only exists in comic books and movies. So many criminals are idiots. Just Oh, I often tell people the best criminals in the world we will not catch because they're just not greedy enough. Right? They're gonna do something really small. They're gonna take like four years to research a thing, mm-hmm. do one thing, and then won't do a thing again for 10 years, right? You just not aren't going to catch those people. But then you get people like this, they're like, I'm going to take 300 grand right now, right? <laughs> and plain as day. Like somehow somebody's not going to notice that's missing in the middle of an event, right? Not even disguise myself. Yeah. God. So yeah, like such a crazy, crazy thing. And I was, it reminded me again from, from my newsman days of, you know, when I, well, long as there weren't actively police or police representatives on scene, I was abandoned to the place I get into with a press badge. Almost anywhere. <laughs> you just show them the press badge, act as if you're supposed to be there. And nah, nah, it's been a minute since I walked around actively with a press badge. But back in the day, nobody, again, other than police, if I tried to cross over to a crime scene or something, Nobody questioned it. Oh, dude. When I when our school, we marched in the parade in Disney World, I abused mine. Like, I literally <laughs> just told people, I just played dumb. I'm like, I'd walk near a place, and I'd just be like, oh, yeah, I'm with one of the bands that's here. And people just go like, all right. And I was just, like, backstage and doing stuff. And I'm like, really? This is how it works? So, yeah, if you just talk like, you know, and you have anything that looks official, half the time people will let you in. Matter there fact, is- there's a YouTube channel. I they got into the Coachella and numerous other events of that of that nature and that level where you would think there'd be security just by wearing uniforms and carrying a ladder around. Well, dude, do you see the guy that did the the fake Clay Thompson? Oh, yeah, I did see that dude. Yeah, he looks a he does kind of look a lot like Clay. So I he get does. how some people could get that confused, but he was literally getting into the the locker room for the Warriors or whatever, and he's just. Like getting down to the court and doing like pregame practice shots and stuff. I'm like, man, that's wild. And you know what makes it even worse? What? J- Jeremy Lin, who is an actual NBA oh, yeah. player, got famous. At one point, there was a phenomenon called Lin Sanity. He was so popular. There was a security guard that wouldn't let him on the court because they didn't believe he was a professional basketball player. Yeah, that that's tough. There's another dude right now on TikTok, I believe. He goes by G-Fed, I think. But he just randomly, he was doing some cross-country tour for business or something. But he just decided he was going to see how many Division One football fields he could get into. And literally just shows up to a field, checks different doors, t- walks past it. Like, some of them, he just got into the locker rooms and stuff. <laughs> like, just to, and he's not doing anything harmful. He's literally just touching the field, taking a picture, and then, you know, talking to his people on TikTok or whatever about the stadium. But, yeah, you can get into a surprisingly large number of places. And these are things that you would say, oh, after 9-11, you won't be able to do this, but that just shows, yeah, in some cases, you still can. Yeah, I, I was just laughing because when I put my tweet up about this whole thing with, with the Commander Masters palette, that I, I had talked to multiple people and I said, there's going to be something dumb as to why this breaks. Right, they're going to try to sell a bunch of stuff all at one time on eBay, or you're going to see cases pop up from somebody who doesn't normally sell that stuff or whatever. I did not think it was going to be this easy. No, this is they'd have they need the IQ boost for the plan to be dumb at this point. Like for real, because I'm like, because again, I figured the other way would be easy, and you would eventually catch them. Yeah, but you at least have to work for it. That's I mean, usually how people get caught with stuff like this is they try to sell it somewhere where they because they're often this is their first this is their first theft and they have no idea how to fence the stuff. And now I'm pretty sure now that they've seen the footage, there's also camera garage footage mm-hmm. that you're even going to be able to identify their video that the vehicle that they put it in. So I guess they just didn't hide it at this point. <laughs> they would have to be. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming by now they've probably because I mean you could literally contact. Because now that you know who they are, you can literally contact Kickstarter. You can contact anybody who's had stuff mailed to them from them. Like, whatever. There's there's a bunch of ways you'll be able to backtrack to where they are now. So it's like, yeah, they're just, just dumb. Absolutely and, dumb. 
and you don't want to be in prison. Like, what'd you do? I stole magic cards. And, and, here, and here's the the wild thing, right? Had they actually had any level of intelligence, let's say no costume, no nothing, whatever, right? No disguise. You could have taken like two, three cases each and just been walking around with like three cases back to your hotel or car and nobody. And that's more believable that you just forgot to bring something or whatever, mm-hmm. or you're like missing a couple of cases off the top of the, the pallet. Probably would have got away with it. That's the crazy part of all this. Like, there's an actual reasonable number and amount they could have taken and probably gotten away. But because they were greedy, they're probably going to jail for who knows how long. Because you're definitely well into felony territory. I The, the other story from, I guess, the, the, the case files of the Shreveport Times, they're actually, I don't know the exact amount, but... There is an amount, I guess, that each company has that you can steal from them where it's not even worth it for them to call a lawyer because it'll cost them more to recover the product. Well, yeah, than, it's, it's not worth the lawyer. It's not worth the insurance. It's not worth yeah. whatever. Like, you, you just go, eh, whatever. But, yeah, somebody that I was covering, uh, they, they went over that limit. <laughs> they, they, they thought they knew, <laughs> as Matt P would say, they thought they were no limit, and no, they went over. Yeah, when you three hundred k though, man, that's whew. yeah, that ain't that ain't any <laughs> that that even Wizards of the Coast would notice three hundred thousand missing. Yep, but again, they probably if they were smart could have got away with a couple grand a piece worth, and nobody would have noticed. But greed, man, crazy. Uh, mine actually isn't as fun, but, but definitely important. Exactly, but it's definitely more important, and YouTube recently updated their policies on health-related misinformation. Now, I know some people are going to feel every which way about this, but they made it very clear. If you are sharing information that does not align with what they called local health health authorities, because, you know, there'll be different ones in different countries, the World Health Organization, and they had something else. But basically, all things that are easily recognized, easily researched, notated, whatever that it could cost you views or and or potentially being removed from the platform. That in and of itself is a good thing. And while some people have gone, well, my opinions don't align with health regulations, blah, blah, whatever. Okay. An opinion and a fact are two completely different things, right? If you're going against something that the world has decided the, this is the best way to deal with a thing. Not sure what to tell you, but you're you're welcome to believe the earth is flat. Nobody else has to agree with you. Also fair. But that aside, seriously, taking opinion and everything out of it. People also have to understand that if I were guessing YouTube doesn't have a choice in things like this without assuming a very large amount of possible liability. Right, because otherwise Somebody says, hey, I don't think this channel's safe, and I see people following this person, and they're dying or whatever. And they're like, well, they're not doing anything wrong, so we can't just shut their channel down. Right? So now they're in a position of acknowledging something that goes against known health practices or whatever, and people are dying. I would almost guess that carries some amount of liability for them, legally, that they don't want. So this is a way for them to actually say, hey... If something gets reported or brought to our attention, we can review it. If it's outside of these guidelines, we can contact the creators. We can restrict viewership, We whatever, right? They pull whatever levers they need to do. And that's tough because I think we're in this world where sites like YouTube are going to be doing stuff like this more and more, and they don't have a choice. And people are like, oh, well, I'll just go to this site or that site. Okay, cool. But I'll guarantee you, first time they get a lawsuit, it's going to change over there too. Look at Fox News as an example. Yep. They were they were cool until they were like, "Oh, you got something to say about these voting machines? <laughs> let, let me show you how much it's going to cost you." Right. The consequences of our actions. What? All of a sudden, they're like, "Wait, you want how many hundreds of millions? Hold up, hold up, hold up." <laughs> and Tucker don't work there no more. Yeah. So so there there's a lot of that, right? And and we can't really ignore that or avoid that. That's just the world we live in now with the way content is, the way the internet is, the way the world's connected. 
So you're probably going to see more policies like this from several different channels and not not just health related, but on a lot of things, you know, and some of it's going to be as people challenge some of these things. You know, there's going to be different liabilities as we start talking about how AI is incorporated with stuff. You know, at some point, somebody is going to get sued because they shared a thing as fact because the AI they used was not accurate. And then that's going to be a whole legal thing. We haven't crossed that yet, but it's going to happen. And then we have to start figuring out, well, who's liable? The person who posted it because they didn't research it, the AI company because whatever, or the initial websites where the AI derived the information. There's going to be a whole lot going on. Colloidal silver, it doesn't really cure stuff. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there's there's going to be a lot. And this is just kind of a thing we're going to have to keep eyes on and be aware of. And it's going to affect, I say that. It will affect how content is created, but I don't think the end result of content will be any different. I think as a consumer, everything's going to keep looking the same, realistically. It's just for creators, you'll have to do more checks and balances and whatever to make sure your content is up to snuff. But all right, let's get into some news because we have quite a few things to hit before we get to the uh, dinner table. We got a lot of Eldraine news, Wilds of Eldraines to be specific, the new set coming out in about a month, actually, it, it, less than a month. So it's, it's it's coming up quick for Magic. And uh, there was a lot. We had a big info drop on Tuesday, and man, it was a ton of information. So quick hits here. Store promotion that's going on. This is one of those things where, and we brought up before, where people's like, we're just trying to shut down all the stores so they can make more money and whatever. It's like, that's not how that works at all. Uh, Also, the stores still make up a very large percentage of sales for Wizards. Even though people think it's Amazon, they're not even, I don't even think Amazon's at 25% of the total sales yet. So they are not. Because Amazon ain't got no place for you to play. (laughs) Well, not just that, but like teach people. You know, yeah. where you can walk in and browse inventory, where you can ask questions, right? Like, it's just not a thing. They Amazon doesn't make appearances at game conventions, you know, like... They can't fix your deck for you. Yeah, it's just not a thing, right? The, and Wizards understands that. But it's cool because we still see some of these promotions like they're doing now to kind of help stores out. So one of the cool parts is, if you don't know about it, they have a promotion that's going to be running, I believe they said they be middle of September in Japan, but the end of October in the US. And sometimes that happens because different things going on in different countries make sense to launch promotions at different times. But basically the promotion is go into your local store, spend $50 on magic or magic related things, get these two promos. Plain and simple, easy to follow, easy to take advantage of. Every store in their system can participate and i like these promos man I, not even the promos i like the promotion of just all right you're going to be buying magic anyway go into your local store and buy it and get these two cards for free and they're actually sweet looking cards they have special anime artwork on them and they're playable they're neat so like why not so like i'm, I'm all on board for stuff like this all the time i wish more companies did stuff like and I mean, I kind of get it because it is also expensive to like print all the promos, ship all the promos, whatever. Like smaller companies can't really do that. Yeah, but and a lot of companies don't necessarily care where or how you interact with their product because they have no reason to. But for, you know, obviously a card game. Yeah, they have they, they got to make sure not to say there are people who just collect it because they love the art. But I'd say probably still the majority of people that buy magic cards buy them with the intention to play with them somewhere. So it makes sense for them. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, keep an eye out for that. Those promos are going to be going out, like I said, for the U.S. You'll be able to purchase them or acquire them uh, at the end of October. I believe it's the 22nd. I don't have that in my notes here, but it's kind of a cool thing. So, you know, you could also wait if you're going to be purchasing some product. Wait till the end of the month. Go pick it up. Uh, It could be kind of cool, too, if you want to do that. Or maybe you're going to use that to, like, start buying Christmas presents for your friends or Secret Santa stuff. So... A lot, a lot of neat stuff that that you can still pick up and make it worthwhile. And it's promotionally, it's also smart because it's like in the middle of that period between Wilds of Eldraine releasing 
and uh, the Ixalan set releasing, right? So in that dead spot, you're encouraged to go into your local store, spend 50 bucks. I'm all for it. Now, mechanically, we also got a whole article that lays out all the mechanics. If you want to check it out, it's over on wizards.com. And there's a lot of mechanics. Yeah, well... I think it's weird because it's like one mechanic that has a lot of parts. True. <laughs> I think that's the issue. So the easy one is bargain. Bargain works where whenever you cast a spell, you sacrifice an artifact, an enchantment, or a token, and then you get whatever the bonus text is on the card. So that one actually makes a lot of sense. And we'll probably, depending on the power level of the cards, obviously, can go into a lot of decks because there's a lot of things that are going to be making food tokens. There's already a lot of stuff that makes treasure, a lot of stuff that makes like 1-1 tokens, stuff like that. So could be easy addition to several decks. So that one's actually kind of cool. We also knew and assumed, which they already told us, they were going to bring back adventures because that's just cool mechanic and it makes sense for the set. But then we got one called Rolls. And this one's kind of tough. Well, like... This is a weird one because it's both very easy and very tough, right? It's easy as far as implementation. It's basically cards that come into play. You assign a role to a card, and it now has whatever the new ability is that goes with that role. So far, I believe all the cards I've seen where they've mentioned a card gets a role, there was no reminder text. And maybe because I mostly saw it on rares or something so far, but... That can get a little bit complex because there's one, two, three, four, five, six of them, seven, six of them, and there's one that happens in a commander deck that adds a seven. And each one gives you something different. So cursed, your cards now or creatures now a one one. If you give it the monster roll, it gets a plus one plus one a trample. The royal roll gives it plus one plus one and ward. Sorcerer gets plus one plus one, and when it attacks, you scry. Wicked, it gets plus one, plus one. And when an aura is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, each opponent loses a life. So that one's very specific on how to use it. And then Young Hero is whenever this creature attacks, if its toughness is three or less, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it, which is kind of cool. And then the Commander one is Enchanted Creature gets plus one, plus one for each enchantment you control. And that one's Virtuous, I believe. So I don't mind that this exists. I think it'll be very interesting, and at least three or four of them are probably going to matter for some different stuff, and some decks can probably already take advantage of them. But you almost are going to have to have these little reminder cards with you for a while. Otherwise, it's going to get kind of awkward <laughs> trying to remember what do all six of these things do. And wait, it, wait, is it the is it the monster or the sorcerer that gets the extra bonus whenever you attack or what? You know that sort of thing. But I like it in concept to say, like, we're doing storybook things so you get to play the role of the royal or the monster or whatever. And, like, the char- the cards or the creatures become characters, in air quotes, you know, among the, the story that you're playing. So it, it's kind of cool. I don't mind them trying something new. And I'd like to be wrong. Maybe we play with it once or twice and it just clicks and it all makes sense. And it's just not a thing. But... Kind of also, it's possible it could end up being like party from the D and D set, and after <laughs> and after a couple of weeks, we never use these mechanics again. Yeah, it it very likely could end up being a thing where if it's on a card that's already playable, but the bonus of adding a roll to something is kind of nice, then you'll see it, right? Or if one of them happens to just fit into an already decent existing deck. It'll probably be when you see it. I don't know if there will be a deck that's just based around rolls or anything like that. It just, they don't, it doesn't feel like that. So we'll see. Another interesting thing that happened with Eldraine is it looks like they launched, I guess, what you'd call a new card image gallery. So if you go to their website to look up all the stuff on Eldraine, you'll take you to the card image gallery that shows one, uh, it now has the local store locator very clearly located at the very top, which is nice. So if you want to pre-order, you can click a button. It takes you to your local store, which is their store locator. Find a store, go buy it. Awesome. And it has links for Arena. And then Amazon is the third link. And then Best Buy is the fourth link. So they're really saying, hey, go to your local store first. You can also check it out on Arena. And then there's these other options. So appreciate that from Wizards. But 
now it's very cool. If you go through, they have a bunch of drop downs, so you can choose color. If you want to see which ones appear in certain card treatments, so maybe you want to collect, I don't know, all the cards that come with the anime alternate art or whatever, right? You can now just do a drop down, see them all. Uh, obviously, by the other stuff, by rarities, card type, uh, set. If you want to look at different sets, obviously it's preset to drain because that's a new set for now. And then what cards appear in different products as well. So if you want to know what stuff were just promos or what stuff appears in collector's boosters or whatever, this is a quick way to know all of that, which is super nice. Because before, I felt like you had to almost have like a roadmap <laughs> to know what was appearing where and what had how many versions. And now you can just do it with drop downs, which is so nice. That's going to save a lot of people a lot of headaches. And then, of course, you can always just search for a card. And what they've also added to each card now is that if you're looking under the uh, the card itself, it'll tell you comes in these treatments or available in these products or whatever, which is pretty cool. And even where one of them is a buy a box promo, it says specifically available in WPN stores as a buy a box promo. You click the link, it takes you to their store locator so you can find a store to try to go get it. So I'm kind of in favor, man. This is actually a pretty sweet addition. Yeah, this is this is really cool looking, and a shout out to whoever uh, decided they should have anime versions of a, a couple of these cards. Yeah, this Those this are is awesome looking as well. This whole thing is nice. Like the cards are nice and large and clear and easy to read. Where you can get the cards is noted on every card. The treatments they come in, it's noted in. Where it's available only at WPN stores, they're pushing you to the stores. If you're ever wondering because you can't remember all the things that only appear in like set boosters or draft boosters, now you can quickly drag and drop. Like, this is a thing I didn't know I needed that now I'm not going to be able to live without. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, right? Like, that's sort of how I felt. That's a good way to put it. I didn't think I like really needed that, but now that it's here, I'm like, this is going to be a good resource to have for just quick research. So, thumbs up to Wizards. I like, I don't know how long this took or whose job it is or whatever, but this was a nice little pleasant addition to have pop up. So credit to them. But uh, let's get into some other stuff here. Moving on from Eldrain for a little bit, because there was some stuff that went down with a very big YouTube channel. All right, so those of you that spend some time on YouTube, if you've ever looked up any tech things or tech reviews or whatever, you probably came across... Linus Tech Tips. They are a gigantic channel, which I think has over 10 million users or uh, subscribers. So, you know. Huge. Yeah, they're, they're real big. Actually, they're at over 15. So they're, they're real big. Well, there was a video that came out earlier today and just titled, What Do We Do Now? And before we get into what that video is, they kind of said some stuff that led to a lot of problems. And it basically starts with a pretty small statement in a video, recent video, where somebody had asked them a thing, and maybe on socials too, where they talked about their review process of products. And I'm going to paraphrase here, but they basically said, we do all original reviews from the ground up, Unlike, I believe it was Gamers Nexus and, and Unboxed something, one of the other channels, right? And obviously, those other channels took offense of that, right? They said... As you would expect. Yeah, and my understanding is these channels are not enemies. Matter of fact, if I understand... Well, they weren't. <laughs> they, they, they maybe well, that's not. true. They weren't before this, right? Uh, Hardware Unboxed, that's the other channel. But my understanding is when... Linus Tech Tips got overtaken several months ago that the people at Gamers Nexus were some of the first people to contact them. So it's not like they hate each other or whatever, right? This this was, they might even felt blindsided by the comment, to be honest. But then they were like, all right, cool. And then they just started pulling out receipts and went ham on social media. And they were like, okay, cool. Linus Tech Tips Labs is taking shots. Well, let's just talk about some things. He said, we've run more bitch marks than they've ever spent on testing equipment and their staff. And says, and why don't you tell everybody else about how good your testing is in these scenarios? 
And then they started bringing up stuff about, remember when this person pointed this thing out and y'all didn't want to spend the extra money to retest it? And like, they just went in. You know, like, now, I will say this. I think Linus Tech Tips, they run an actual pretty good channel. They like to have fun with what they do. And I don't think any of their reviews were horribly off. Like, some of the results might not have been 100% accurate or whatever, but still good enough that if I wanted to buy a product, I feel like the results would be close enough that I could test it. So it's not like they're completely just making up results and putting stuff out there. That said, though, if you're going to put some other people on blast, <laughs> you know, F around and find out. You know, like, what necessary? You took some shots. You got You got to pay the price. I mean, maybe the the new bosses said something about, "Hey, yeah, you gotta start, gotta start firing shots." I don't know. It just it, it doesn't seem like a thing they would normally do, and it's certainly not a thing that I think would be typically done. It'd be one thing if you know they're I don't know like wrestling channels. Even if these were Madden channels, I could see somebody going, "Ooh, yeah, you ain't no good at Madden. I beat you in such a tournament." That wouldn't. For for tech tip channels, it's extremely bizarre behavior. Yeah, it just it just, I, and I don't even think they meant it in a malicious way. I think they almost just kind of said it in passing when it just wasn't even necessary to be said. Right, there was just no reason to even make the statement. But here's the other thing: all this stuff started being said, and you know, people making accusations about this, that, and the other, and then in the middle of all this. I, the way I understood it, now I had a hard time finding exact details on this, but there was an ex-employee that uh, claims that while she was there, she was sexually assaulted. Now, I do not know to what level. I don't know what that entails. I don't know the person enough or accuracy to even make a further statement than that. But... Because of all this, the video basically details out that they're effectively shutting stuff down for at least a week, possibly two. They do have an outside investigator coming to talk to people at the company. So it, it doesn't sound like Linus or any seniors were involved in the thing, from what I could tell. So they're just trying to figure out what's going on, who it is, whatever. Obviously, remove that person. But they also talked a lot about how they're going to spend this downtime to work on process changes. Because one of the things about their channel that I don't think people realize is they were also putting out, I believe on some weeks, as many as like 13 pieces of content sometimes between, well, even more than that, way more than that. If you include all their like clips and shorts and whatever, but just full length, like videos and stuff, they were putting out at least one thing every day. And a lot of times there were two or three things that would pop up. Plus they had like their podcast and all that. So there was a lot of stuff going up And there. They were also saying like, Hey, because we were pushing so hard and doing so much, there's a chance that that's what's led to some of our little inconsistencies in our testings, you know, us having stuff that even when we've caught it, we've sent it back to be edited. And then we've had to leave a note because it didn't make it into the final video, whatever. So they're trying to streamline their processes and all that good stuff. They led to us talking crazy, too. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Ain't nobody talking about that part. I think everybody just understood, like, yeah, we need to not say dumb things, you know. But, yeah, and this is kind of an example of how sometimes you can just get so big on certain ideas that you're almost running too fast, right? Because that – and here's the thing, too. People, It may not sound like a lot, but what people don't realize is they were doing – Generally, I would say 20 minute plus videos a lot of the times, 20 to 25 minutes. To get that video, there was a lot of people that had to touch that video for them. Because a lot of them are also like, hey, we're reviewing products that came in. We're doing product testing. We're running benchmarks of different, I don't know, graphic cards against each other or whatever. All of that has to be done. Then you have all that actual footage that has to be edited. And then you have graphics that have to be made to show all the results and whatever. And they were doing this every single day. Like, they were hammering it. And that they obviously just got to where just too much was happening and stuff was starting to fall through the cracks. They did say, though, specifically, they're not going to try to, other than the obvious people, 
not really remove anybody. They're not trying to change anything for employees other than a lighter schedule. So you can spend more time focusing on more stuff, you know, whatever. So hopefully a bunch of good comes out of it. I don't think it's going to hurt their channel all that much, the downtime. But it's almost sad that to realize what your problems were, it took some of your, I guess you'd call them your, your cohorts to start pointing stuff out, you know? That, that's a rough way to have to get to that realization. But hey, sometimes things like that have to happen to, to get things set straight. But if you don't see anything from Linus Tech Tips for a few days, that's why. They didn't go away. They're just making some changes. But we do have some good news. Now, Brian, anybody who listen to us knows we're big fans of being able to play our games on any platform with our friends, regardless of what they're doing. That's right. right. Right, doesn't matter if you got a PlayStation, I got an Xbox, so and so's got a PC. Hell, I don't care. You're playing on mobile, you got it on, on a Switch. We should all be able to play together. Well, it turns out Epic Games agrees with us. Now, I didn't know this, but apparently they back in I believe it was June or July 2022, they made it to where you could play Fortnite on all their different stuff, cross-platformed or whatever. And that apparently went very well for them. <laughs> enough that they looked around and went you know we should probably do this for everything because and here's the reality like we've said it before it can only lead to more money right like and you know what i do in the past there's been some times you've just not bought a game because you have a playstation your friends are playing something on an xbox and you don't right. want to buy an xbox to play with them but if it was available on PlayStation and you could play the friends Xbox, well, now you're going to go spend another $50, $60. And I think Epic Games figured out and went, hey, yeah, let's let everybody just play together. Who cares? You could be platform agnostic and it doesn't matter. Yeah, because they, they made the game, so they're going to make money whatever platform you play it on. Yep. So this is kind of the next step, right? We're starting to see third parties. Because remember, we talked about, you know, I think it was what, MLB The Show was doing it and then... You know, now different, even the proprietary games on different systems are going, yeah, let's open it up. Let's let people play, right? Doesn't matter what platform. Even now, like some of the newer games, like Diablo, right? You can play on anything with anybody. And they're obviously killing it. Hell, they'll probably hit a billion dollars by the end of the year at this rate. Crazy. So this is cool that we're moving into this world. It's sad. It makes me a little bit like part of my, my the younger me is a little myth that we didn't do this before. <laughs> when I was playing way more video games. But it's cool that we got to this point. And I just thought that was something cool to share with everybody that if you do play anything from Epic Games or any of their servers or whatever, there's a chance you're going to get it opened up probably before the end of the year from Sounds of Things. For sure, going into 2024, all future games uh, will be on that plan. So I thought that was pretty neat. It's becoming pretty much the industry standard. Madden 24 is, has cross-play on everything. And it, again, as we said, there's really... If you can make all the technological stuff work, there's no reason to not do it. Yeah, for sure. It just it's a lower barrier to entry for somebody to try your product. And I again, I can't count the number of times I had one system or the other, and something came out another thing, and I went, "Yeah, it looks cool, but you know, I'm just never going to get to play it." But if it was available on the system I had, absolutely would have got money out of me, no question. But, you know, that does lead us to an, another interesting thing. Another game where that's the thing right now is Baldur's Gate. <laughs> Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, people are playing it on Steam. And you can play, you know, regular PC setup. You can download it from different spots and play it. But Baldur's Gate 3 is making a lot of money, dude. I think it, last number I saw, they've crossed 4 million downloads already. They have done, I believe, $250 million. And they're peaked at a hundred or eight hundred and seventy-five k concurrent users on their servers. Those are kind of nuts numbers for a game that's only been out two weeks. And right after Diablo came out and hit just just bonkers numbers. That's a good point, right? Because this is what six weeks after Diablo or whatever, effectively. Like that, this, crazy numbers for that game. You know, people that come out around the same time and didn't move the numbers, well, you know, it, it, it was Diablo's fault. People just weren't ready for another game in that genre. Like, no, I mean, if your game is good enough, people will figure out how to make time for it, it seems like. 
And dude, everybody I've talked to really likes Baldur's Gate 3. And here's an interesting thing, too. One of the things people seem to like about it is that you can't discern what the best choice is all the time. Which is a very simple thing, but I think it makes it more like a a D&D tabletop role-playing game, right? Where the decision trees are deep, from what I understand. Like, every decision has, like, you know, three, four things on everything. And I don't know if I've seen the official number on endings, but it's a lot of different endings that you can get to in the game. And I've talked to different people playing, and it's even like, well, you know, this didn't work in my game because I didn't... I don't know, spend time with my my companions enough so now they don't like me and so I can't trust them in certain things or whatever. Like, there's a lot of different things going on in there. And I think what makes that cool is it's going to add a lot of replay value to that game for people. Because that's the other thing, too. You play a lot of these role-playing games, you kind of get through them, you've seen most of the stuff, whatever. But here, the fact that everything you do can lead you being treated differently or getting a different group of companions and lead to a bunch of different endings could actually be kind of fun to go back through the game. And I even know people right now that are playing multiple games with different groups of people because them all being involved, doing different things can affect your game as well. So people have like three or four different save games that they're playing with just certain people at different times. So the other good thing about that is you don't have people that aren't just racing through the game, right? Because they're playing maybe a couple hours a day here with this person. And tomorrow I'm playing with these two or three people. And then I'm playing my solo game the next day. So like they found ways to work in a lot of long-term playability to their game, which is really, really sweet. So congrats to them, man. They are killing it. And consider how many games we still have to come. Cause you know, Spider-Man two is coming. We're at, I think at this point, assuming that's going to be a really good game. Cause there's nothing in, Nothing with Insomniac's past work with Spider-Man leads to believe anything else. Starfield is dropping, I want to say, next month. This is looking like we could. this could, year could be as good or maybe better than 1998, which I think is kind of the previous high mark for best year ever for video games. Games such as uh, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, StarCraft, Half-Life. It feels like we're, feels kind of like 1998 around here in all the best ways possible. Well, people forget we still had like a big Zelda this year. We said like all kinds of stuff that feels right. like was happening, right? Like we had a lot of games this year. That's first step is you know you have a Zelda game drop and you're already at least a good fourth or fifth of the way to having an incredible year for video. Here, here's a, a wild thing to think about, right? It's possible that just Diablo and Baldur's Gate three, Diablo four, could together be realistically in the ballpark of like 1.5 billion dollars by the end of the year just those two games maybe even more right if they stay on this crazy trajectory you'd think they'd fall off at some point but if they stay at the crazy trajectory they're at could even be higher than that and that's just two games like it's wild man we talk about like why it's hard for new studios to make games look at what we got just this year like, it is hard. You, you're talking about these studios spending $10 million and they go bankrupt and people don't understand. It's like, it's hard to make AAA titles and compete right now. They're, you know, you got to go the Marvel Snap route you know, like, and, and crush it in mobile or make one of these games that people can play as a time waster or maybe just spend a week on and be good. Because if you need a, if you're making these games where you want people to play for months at a time with all these other bangers coming out, it's going to be hard. We're seeing so many, so many games jump to 2024, not because, you know, they're not finished or close to finish, but because there's just, <laughs> there isn't a point in dropping the game right now. Cause it just, well, there's no time up by everything else that's happening. Yeah. Like if you've got three or four Diablo or uh, uh, Baldur's Gate sessions in your game and you've got a Diablo character trying to do a thing and the hell and Diablo hadn't even got to where they're dropping their extra stuff yet. So it's, like, where are you going to fit in? There's God forbid you play, you know, some like Madden Call of Duty that's going to drop every year, regardless of what else comes out. And you want to play it well enough to be somewhat good at it, you know, and not drag your team down. Yeah. And you know what? Let's roll into the dinner table with this, because this kind of leads to the question of how do we feel about DLC, right? The downloadable content for games, because one of the interesting things 
that has made Baldur's Gate 3 stand out, which is sad, is that there's really no DLC. Everything is in the game. Like, you, you don't go and buy extra costumes or parts or weapons or anything special. Everything is in the game. Now, that's not to say in the future they don't have some DLCs. You can add some extra adventures or whatever. But right out of the gate, and, the, you know, like all games, there's a couple of bugs in there or whatever. That's almost to be expected at this point. But there's nothing to download. Like, you spend your $60, you have everything, go have fun. But it feels like we've had a lot of games. Like, the model's almost been these days, like, well, we can start pushing a thing out that's 85 90% done. And then the rest, people will pay an extra, like, 10 bucks for or whatever. And that always feels a little bad. So I don't know, dude. How do you feel? Like, do you... I don't know. Just what's your stance on DLC as a whole for, for games and how it's being used lately? I mean, it's like how people talk about, you know, um, I'm tired of vampire movies. We don't need any more vampire movies. Then a good vampire movie comes out and you love vampire movies again. And it's kind of the same thing. If you do if you do a ridiculous DLC where, okay, here's a new piece of armor and it'll be $10, yeah, pe- people don't enjoy that. It feels bad. But then you do like what Paradox Interactive does where they'll put out a game and, you know, and it's a good game, but then bit by bit, you get a little bit more DLC. And at the end of, let's say four or five pieces of DLC, it's almost become an entirely different, better game than the one you bought originally. And that's I mean, the best way to do it. I think. And that's fair. If it does truly improve the player experience, you probably care less because like, if you're playing card games and stuff, basically our whole game is DLC, right? like every every few months is going to be a new thing you download it you play the game whatever so you may be desensitized to it from from that regard but yeah and i guess if you do stuff like madden ultimate team or something like that that's kind of the whole mode right you you got yeah that absolutely is but i guess those modes are based on magic or hey here's a bunch of new cards and a new set for for you to unlock new things yeah that's what i'm gonna say on some regards it's still kind of a card game in a way so i i kind of get it and Diablo, I think, did it right with, say, like Diablo 3, because having the seasonal stuff extended the life of that game for, hell, what, another seven years or whatever it was? <laughs> Felt like forever. So that kind of makes sense. But it, the thing that con- was concerning for a while is if I was still a, a, a young man <laughs> and, you know, maybe I, I didn't have as much of a budget to play with or whatever. It would feel kind of bad to save up, you know, you're rubbing your pennies together to, to save up and get your one thing you want to buy. Your favorite game comes out or whatever. You go download it or buy it, whatever. You spend your $50, $60. And then there's some cool stuff you hear about. But it's like, oh, that's another like 10 bucks. Like that has to suck. And I and it gets me thinking sometimes, like how many people feel like they haven't gotten the full experience because they just don't have the extra money to spend? Because like, and, you know, sixty dollars is still a lot for a lot of people to just get a game, and then to know there's still more money to be spent behind it, it's kind of tough. And I wonder how many people just don't buy some titles because they know that going in. Oh yeah, I think that's absolutely a thing. Or they play a title such as Madden and they just don't engage the Ultimate Team because they feel like it's hard to keep up if you either don't spend money or spend you know a hundred hours grinding content to get the new cards. That's also fair, right? Because that's one of the things that makes those games fun, right? You, you spend your money and you can play it all year for the $60. But if you want to get into something like Ultimate Team, well, if you're not going to spend another at least, you know, 20, 30 bucks a month, probably average, you're probably not going to be able to do anything in it. Well, again, like you said, without spending large chunks of time. Yeah, so either 20 or $30 or probably 20 or 30 hours grinding the content. Which, like which, we just said, uh, when there's all these other great things you could be spending yeah. time doing, you may not want to do that. And which the like MLB show, MLB the show, I think is example. People are like so much of what they do is like it's stuff you can earn while you're playing the game. Hit so many home runs, do such use these certain players, and you'll eventually lock more packs and more cards. They are kind of, I guess, the is especially with sports games, kind of the industry standard in how you do something where you can actually unlock this doing things you would in theory be already doing just playing the game 
that's pretty cool. You know, I guess for me, I, th- I think your point is good. It's just, if it truly enhances my game experience, I will be a little miffed that you didn't just have it in there. But cool, at least you're making it worth it for me to spend the money. But when we see games like Baldur's Gate 3, that that studio is still going to make a pile of money. And they had everything in there. Kind of makes you wonder if it's not just possible or if it's just straight up greed. It's probably greed. <laughs> but all right, Brian, I want to show everybody they can find you on social media. All right. I am Brian Sonic on Twitter and YouTube. And as I said, at some point when EA's servers come back to life, we'll have a lot of Madden content over there. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And you should follow me on YouTube for sure because I have a ton of extra videos and content coming out, even if you don't watch gameplay videos. But as always, wherever you are listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your family. Remember to be awesome, and most importantly, remember to be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic. You can also find us on Facebook under color of magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 